Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a very important day. I want you to hear with me something. I want you to go back. Go back to a time about maybe this time of the day. Where the crowds are gathering around. You can hear the sounds of people outside. Gathering around because it is a time of the Passover. The sights and the smells and of all the people is gathering around. And you stand before in the courtyard of the temple, freshly cleansed that day and yesterday. Because the guy speaking right there. And he's speaking such wonderful and amazing things. He's speaking to you about what is going to be happening in the coming months, the coming years. And then the Pharisees show up. And they look at this man. They look at him and they are mad. They are looking at him and they ask him this simple question. By whose authority do you say these things? Is it your own? Or someone who sent you? They gave him an answer. They want to know. They want to know what is happening. They want to know what is going on here. Because him coming here, clearing out the temple, that's not done. Him going and being with the people, that's not done. They are the ones who are here. They're the ones in charge. And so this man asks them a question. John the Baptist. Where did his message come from? Heaven or man? Couldn't give an answer. If they said from heaven, they think they were blaspheming themselves. But if they said from man, there were a crowd gathered around them. The people loved John. They would kill them for blaspheming. And so they said nothing. And Jesus replied with nothing either. We have to understand where the Pharisees are in all of this. The Pharisees are scared. Because they had power. They had authority. They were people that were not far away from the people of God. In fact, they were part of God's kingdom. They were part of the people who actually went to the people of God. They did not stand in the temple courts and, you know, be all hoity-toity. And, you know, I have my business backing from the highest bankers in Jerusalem. They got their power from the people. They went to the people, preached in the streets. They were the ones who gathered the people, and their authority rested in the people. Their entire power base was situated with the people. Their authority and what they could do was all dependent upon the crowd's liking of their message. And it was that crowd that Jesus spoke. The parable. The parable that was so familiar. Of the tenants who a vineyard, made, a vineyard master made. Beautiful, lush grapes, overflowing with goodness. But the master had to go away. And so he gave this wonderful, lush, and beautiful vineyard to tenants. He lent them out. And he would come back. And he sent servants, three of them, in fact. But the wicked tenants, what did they do? Beat 
manhandled, crushed, shamed, cast out. And what would this do to the master of the vineyard? What would he do? Would he send someone else, send an army? He sent his son. Because maybe, just maybe, they would respect his son. But of course, the tenants come, they see him coming, and they completely disregard him, instead killing him so that they could have the inheritance, drag him outside of the vineyard, and crush him to pieces. What then will the master do? The master will go destroy those tenants and give that vineyard to other people. And at this, those wicked tenants in the crowd shouted, Surely not! This it will not be done! This cannot be! And Jesus looked directly at them and said these words. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And at this, they had nothing else to say. But instead, they would go off and they would plant. To send spies. To catch him. Turn him over to a higher authority. To Pilate himself. So what then is this point? We're nearing the end of our Lenten journey. We're actually in Jerusalem right now. The very week of Jesus' passion. And all this what's going on, it seems like a pretty clear-cut story. I mean, it makes it like it writes itself. You've got the vineyard being Jerusalem. You've got the bad guys being the Pharisees. The good guy is Jesus. Makes sense, right? Yeah, I'm actually asking, does this make sense? Yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. See, it's always good to have an emphatic yes. It makes sense. Pharisees bad. Jesus good. We've heard these stories all the time. But to just keep it like that is actually to lessen the gospel. To leave it at that defangs and destroys the law. Because there's something more going on. What is really happening here, and what I want to make it across to all of you today, is Christ's message of authority. And what we feel for every single person in this room, and maybe if you're a kid, this will come later, but everyone here has a fear of losing. A fear of losing authority. The Christian church has actually been very good at that. The Christian church right now doesn't have much authority in this culture. It doesn't. I'll be frank with you, this is something that's actually kind of a new thing. Because the church always has had some authority in culture, right? Think back. You've got the authority of the people when they were in Rome, when they were hiding away. But suddenly, there was a Roman guy who saw the sign of a cross in the sky, written in the stars, and said, you know what, Christianity seems like a good idea. Let's make the entire Roman Empire Christian. And suddenly, 
Christianity went from the shadows into the spotlight. And they now had political authority. People who were in power wanted to be Christian, not to hear the words and the saving power of Jesus Christ, but because suddenly their power and their status was attached to being Christian. And so, the early church wrestled with this idea. How can we maintain the authority of Christ and have earthly authority as well? Did they do a good job with that? I'm actually asking you a question. Did the church do a good job with distinguishing authority between God and authority in the world? Yes or no? No. History is written bloodily. During all the Middle Ages and even after all of that, you see what is you see what can happen. A church now, instead of being the authority of God, relies on their own authority, and it was great and powerful. It could produce kings and queens, emperors, and they could get rid of those very same rulers. They could unleash war and destruction across all of the known world, even destroy their own brothers and sisters who disagreed with them. The power and the authority of the, of the church was great in the world. They were the bastion of culture. They were the wonderful, wonderful retainers of knowledge and history. They relied on their own authority. And they were scared to lose it. I can understand that. Because for a long time, we lived in that authority. We had some measure of, of say in our culture. We had some measure of say of what was going on in the world. But the world changed very quickly. Right now, my family is watching a show. Very, you know, remember, remember it, West Wing? From all those years ago? yes. As a young child, I love the, the really boring political shows. I still think that it's still better than watching um, the politics of today, but that's just me. But I realize something very strange as I'm watching it now as an adult. This show only appeared maybe 20-odd-some years ago. And they had, in that show, an actor playing a president who prays, quote, scripture, is unapologetically Christian in that show. Could you get away with that today? No. The authority of the church wanes in our culture today. The authority, our authority, isn't seen as much. And we still try to make it better. We still try to you know, put our authority into the laws of this land. We still try to put our authority forward in this world, but what happens? We see it. Whenever we put our own authority and put our hope and our trust in our own authority, whenever we go and we think that we know what's best, that we can say what is best, we put all of our hope and our trust in our own power and authority, we become like those Pharisees. Our hope and our trust is in our own thoughts and minds. Our power and trust 
is in our own authority. And to that, Jesus looks at us, looks us dead in the eye, and says this. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Anyone who would trip on this stone will be broken to pieces. And whoever is hit by this stone will be crushed by it. Sounds like a no-win scenario. But we see where the ultimate authority comes from. This Jesus is the ultimate authority. He is the one who is the cornerstone by whom all things come from, who lays the foundation, who is the very person in which all authority on heaven and on earth is. We see this power throughout his work. He preaches and teaches and does new things like no one else because he has that authority. He is the one who can go into the very temple of God and cleanse it because he is the son of God. He is the one who can go and chase demons out of people. He is the one who has the authority to calm a storm. He is the one who has the authority to make all things new. He is the stone that the builders rejected and has become that cornerstone. And what does he do and what does he use that authority for? Does he use it to prop himself up? Does he use it to gain followers for himself? Does he use it to coerce and to change and to make people believe no matter what they want? What does he use his authority for? He uses his authority for you and for me. My goodness, he doesn't even use his authority. Instead, he who made the stars and the sun and the moon and all things gave that all up and took the form of a servant. He who had the authority to take up his own life instead gave it away. Gave away his authority to be judged by Pilate. Gave up his authority to be made a sinner and not only gave up his authority, but was forsaken by God himself. So that anyone who looks upon the broken, battered, and dead Jesus Christ on the cross may see sin, death, and the power of the devil dead on the cross. The authority of Jesus Christ is so powerful and so great, but it's more powerful and great because of what he used it for, giving it up to save you and me. And it was upon that authority, upon that bedrock, which he reminded this. He had the authority to take up his own, to take away his own life and to bring it up again. And to know that this wonderful assurance, this wonderful declaration of godly authority was true, God raised Jesus from the dead and gave him the authority over the living and the dead so that his kingdom may have no end and that all who look upon the risen Jesus Christ knows that he who has authority over life and death works it for you and for me. 
That his authority is stronger than anything else in the world. That he is the cornerstone of all things in this world. That he has the authority over heaven and on earth. And nothing will break that kingdom. I want you to remember this. The story that Jesus had here in his parable today was for us to remember. To remember who has the authority. It's not us. But it is God. And we see what he uses that authority to do. Not to shame and destroy the sinner, but to save and uplift him. Not to, not to keep us in our sin or keep us in our sadness and despair, but to bring us to life eternal. Yes, the authority of the earthly church wanes. Yes, it will continue to do so. It might be that one day it will become great again. I don't know. But what I do know is this. We do not rely on that. We rely and put our hope and our trust in the authority of Jesus Christ alone. Who, using his authority, saves, comforts, restores, and builds us. So that we may walk in his ways to the glory of his holy name. And all God's people said, Amen.